Hello and welcome to Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast where we talk about spooky things and horrible things and stuff related to Hollywood that sometimes aren't very nice. Um, sometimes they are nice and fun and lighthearted. I can't think of an episode, but um, uh, today's episode in particular is going to be, uh, I don't know, is it going to be sad? Maybe. Yeah. My yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, that's up to them, but <laughs> to decide, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm Tia and I have, I have Roxana here. Hello. And Teresa. Hey there. Um, and today's episode, we are going to talk about child actors uh, particularly Shirley Temple and Jackie Coogan, um, which I think it's interesting because I didn't plan this, but, um, oh God, what's her name? I should have known. I should have looked this up. Uh, that girl just recently came out with her book about. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Nickelodeon star. Yeah. Jeanette McCurdy. I think her name is. Yeah. And her book is, I'm glad my mother died. Ooh. right yeah that's the title of the book that is the title yeah it's all about i i downloaded it on audible and i haven't read it yet i'm currently reading mommy dearest for next week's episode that we're gonna oh record. my god uh, yeah. and i know that her book is like similar themes of like a over controlling mother that takes advantage of her or her kids stardom and you know uh mommy dearest is very interesting though because i'm like halfway through it right now and um i don't know if i'm gonna want to listen to her what was her name jeanette mccurdy yeah mccurdy i only yeah. know because i've seen it all over social media so i don't know if i'm gonna want to listen to her book next because i might need like a palate cleanser in between you yeah. know um, because I find Mommy Dearest to be so triggering. Um, I grew up with a very strict mother. My mom's great now, but my mom was strict growing up. Um, and we struggle. I mean, she would never say this, that we struggled, struggled financially, but we did. And so like some of the things in the book, even though Joan Crawford had all this money, she always like made it seem like, like I don't have the money to pay for this and that and so like some mm -hmm. of the things that are being said are very triggering to me and yeah. some of the the strictness you know of it but at some points too I'm like well I had a strict mom you know and everything and I turned out okay and why is she crying about it is also like kind of like what I'm thinking but I don't know like I don't know it's hard to say <laughs> I understand her point of view, but I can't fully understand her point of view, you know? Mm, um, yeah. But my mom was never to the extreme that Joan Crawford was. Um, well, I, hope, I know, I would hope not. Yeah. The wire hangers, yeah, yeah for one. <laughs> like, you know, she never, like, physically hurt me or anything. But there were times where, like, she would yell at me over, like, something very small, you know? And, yeah. you know, that's that's okay now because as an 
adult, I see how much my mom struggled emotionally with different dynamics that were going on in, in the house and, you know, with other family members outside of the house and things like that. And as a kid, I didn't understand that, you know? Um, so I'm just reading some tidbits about what her mom did and it was bad. Oh yeah. The, I'm glad my mother died. Yeah. Yeah. I I read some restricting how much she's eating and other types of abuse. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so more on that next week when we get into our Joan Crawford episode. Um, yeah. Who's doing that? Is uh That's me. Okay, cool. You're doing I'm do- I'm I'm reviewing the feud and you're uh, talking about the relationship with her daughter. Yeah. 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 Have you have you seen the feud before? I have not seen yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It was I- good. I I'm gonna refresh my memory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to watch it because I I don't want to like have any spoilers for the the podcast. It's, it it takes place after the whole oh, mommy dearest okay. thing. Yeah, you know it doesn't even it barely touches on that. It's really oh. more focusing on whatever happened to baby Jane and yeah. kind of that relationship yeah. with uh, Betty uh, Davis. Betty Davis. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. No, I. I want to be surprised to hear some of the shocking things oh. Teresa's going to tell me about them. <laughs> um, although yeah. I have seen whatever happened to baby Jane. Um, and I am like aware of what was, what was going on. Um, but I want to be shocked by the horribleness of it all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, then when it's all over Tia, like Roxana suggested, you can watch it because it's Ryan Murphy as well. And you know, Ryan Murphy, it's total drama. Oh yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've liked almost everything he's done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have part. to say same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just watched, it's not related at all, but since we're on the topic, I just recently watched that, um, the one that he did with, um, the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. Oh, it, it was, <laughs> and I, I wasn't going to watch it. Cause I was like, you know what? I not, I don't, I know already kind of what happened historically am i really that interested in it but honestly it was compelling drama and and uh what's her face that played monica beanie feldstein was really good in that role so yeah we do in shadows book smart yeah she's great yeah definitely recommend they really kind of delve deeper into what was happening because i was like uh, not even 10 years old at the yeah. time so I just yeah, it was very yeah. basic mm-hmm. idea and this really kind of goes into oh my god I know what they and, girl through. of course shout out to um Sarah Paulson was incredible yeah. I think she was the one that impressed me the most even more than Beanie but anyway sorry totally anyway, off topic <laughs> yeah um i just i know we talked about this last time but i just finished that um playboy series the oh yeah one about hugh hefner uh-huh. um, God, i forgot what it was called oh i'm a horrible podcaster um <laughs> but the one it's on prime video and it's about hugh hefner something playboy um i don't know um it was really oh, yeah. good until the last episode 
the last episode oh. made me just um really angry um because i have read holly madison's books and i have such a deep respect for her so they really delved into the like the 50s 60s and 70s of playboy um and a little bit in the 80s and then the 90s and 2000s playboy was one episode they summed up very quickly and they didn't even mention bridget kendra or holly madison at all they did mention Girls Next Door as if it was Hugh Hefner's idea, you know, and a great way that Playboy, you know, um, got into the world of reality TV and they're doing so good and da da da. And Hugh Hefner did great. Um, and it didn't end with him passing away. I wish they would have had a little more honest take on that instead of yeah. it being about how great Hugh Hefner was and I will say like in his early career like him fighting for civil rights him fighting for um honesty in the press um fighting censorship you know giving voices to AIDS activists giving voices to political activists you know all of that stuff was really incredible you know making a brand that's a powerhouse is incredible um and you know all of that's cool but i wish it would have been more honest i wish they either would have stopped at you know the 70s 80s and just left it at a cliffhanger or been more honest about the 2000s girl next door hugh hefner being a horrible piece of shit person yeah later yeah. in his life um yeah so that part made me really angry um, I will still say you should watch it because it's some of the stuff is fascinating. I knew a little bit about how um, Playboy really was an honest publication or at least a voice for people who were being marginalized, you know, and um, that's kind of cool. But, uh, <laughs> you know, anyways, I digress. Yeah. So, oh, um, okay. yeah, well. Yeah, I wanted to tell you because we talked about that last time. I don't yeah. know if you talked about it while I, I was recording, but. Yeah, no, I don't remember either. But yeah, I, rem I think Roxana wasn't there, but that was last week. So yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, so, okay, let's get into this then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our actual topic. Our actual topic. Um, yeah. So I know like a little bit about coogan's law and i know a little bit about shirley temple and some of the horrible things that happened to her and some of the great things yeah. um one of my favorite movies is sea biscuit the original sea biscuit with an older shirley temple being oh. irish um <laughs> no, i don't remember that but it's been like yeah, I think I saw Seabiscuit when it came out. So yeah. that was there, obviously a long time ago. I don't remember. There are some racist tropes in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, particularly a Black character that is definitely a racist trope. So I will warn the listeners about that. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just watched, oh my God, recently we were watching Shirley Temple's show that she did that like talk show that she did oh yeah she did do, did do a talk show later in her life yeah we were watching yeah. her do a recreation of 
uh, Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid. And it yes. was the most bizarre <laughs> thing I have ever watched. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I never. Curly Temple <laughs> as an adult in a blonde wig was bizarre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing a wig? Yeah. Well, she was playing uh, Mermaid. Um, oh, okay. Okay. You know, I'm just going to leave it at that. It was bizarre. Um, <laughs> and I'll let you all YouTube it. It's out there. Um, <laughs> uh, now I'm going to have to look for it after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know which one of you want to go first. I have a feeling like these are both the same era, more or less. I mean, I'll, I'll go first. Oh, because when was sure. Oh, how about this? When was Shirley Temple born? She was born in 1928. Yes. So I'll go first because okay. uh, Duncan was born in 1914. Oh, okay, so, yeah. So it okay. sets it up chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So uh, Jackie Coogan was born October 26, uh, 1914. He was born here in Los Angeles, California, and he was born to parents who were performers. Uh, his father uh, was the comedian. His, his mother was, you know, a vaudeville actress. She could also sing. And for pretty much his early years, uh, like from one to about three years old, his parents would go off touring and doing shows and he was kind of just left with his relatives. And um, then in 1917, his mom was doing a film and she kind of had him in the film as a would have been three years old so he was like the baby in the film and so that's technically his very first um, movie that he did he wasn't credited for it uh 1917 and then his parents were doing a vaudeville show and they brought him up or they brought jackie up for the curtain call and the audience kind of loved him so the people running the vaudeville show were like hey if you do this every night and have your son a part of the show, we'll give you extra money. So that was kind of Jackie Coogan's first paid gig. So at a very young age, he was on stage. He was doing dances. The audience loved him. And then somebody by the name of Charlie Chaplin was like, hey, this kid's got talent. I'm going to see if he's going to be in a couple of my movies. So he had been one of his first movies just as a bit part. And then he had him in uh, the movie called The Kid, which is said to be one of Charlie Chaplin's uh, most famous and well-known movies. So in it, Charlie Chaplin plays his character, you know, the tramp or the, the little tramp. And uh, his character finds this kid, which is played by Jackie Coogan. And the whole the plot of the story is basically in order to save the kid, Charlie Chaplin has to, to give him up. Uh, and audiences loved Jackie Coogan in this movie. It's a silent film, and he kind of stole the show. A year later, Jackie Coogan lands the lead role in Oliver Twist. And from there, his career just takes off, and they actually start merchandising his image. So you, he's on the chocolate bars, uh, you know, hats, uh, uh dolls that kind of thing it was really one of the first child stars to be uh, kind of used in that way merchandised now his father was his manager and taking care of the finances at, at that time and his, his father was doing a pretty good job he was putting a bit aside for his son and investing the rest of it you know they purchased a home for the family 
Uh, they were able to have a pool. They were one of the first families here in California to actually have a pool in their backyard and they bought a dairy farm. And so his, his father was, you know, utilizing the money well, and they estimated that he probably made between three to $4 million. And this is 1920s, three to $4 million. Today, that would account to about almost $60 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Um, Jackie Coogan is, is his career is doing well, uh, making this money, uh, doing all this stuff. Uh, and um, at ten, um, and this kind of comes in to play a little bit later. He started doing charity work. Uh, he was touring with the Near East Relief, and they would go around the United States and Europe, and they were doing a child's crusade or children's crusade, I should say, and they were. Uh, raising money to get clothing, food, and other resources to uh, war orphans located in Greece and Armenia. And they raised about $1 million in that time, which today would have been about $14.8 million for this. So he was doing this at 10 years old. So very talented, uh, still using his talent to help everybody else. As he starts to get older, his career begins to wane off of it, as you know, with child actors, uh, but still a very talented guy, still finding work and everything. And um, in May of 1935, so he would have been 20 years old, uh, he would be turning 21 in October of that same year. And at the time when he would turn 21, then he would get access to all that money that he had made. Um, but in May, he and uh, his friends, one of the ranch hands, his dad and somebody else, they all went on a hunting trip. And as they're coming back, uh, driving through San Diego, they get into a car accident and everybody but Jackie ends up dying. He ends up getting like, uh, you know, broken right. Oh, my right. God. So his father dies and his father was the one that was managing his money. Oh my so God. once his father dies, his mom now becomes in control of managing his money. His mom pretty much immediately remarries their lawyer and financial advisor, Arthur Bernstein. So shortly after Jackie turns 21, he's like, hey, mom, all that money that dad put aside for me. I would like to go ahead and have access to that. And she was like, no. And she basically believed that she, she said that every dollar a child earns before the age of 21 belongs to the parents. Ugh. And that there was never any promise that she was going to give that money to him. Are you kidding? Wow. Right? Oh my God. God. And she was saying that he was like a bad kid, which really at 10 years old, he's using his talents to raise money for war orphans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a bad kid. And that his time on set uh, was playtime. He wasn't even working. He was just playing around. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So she doesn't give him the money. Uh, he's trying to have some semblance of a career. You know, he's doing more vaudeville, kind of what he was used to doing. But it wasn't. he wasn't getting the same success he did when he was a kid. So he decides he's going to sue his mom for his, his money. 
Mm-hmm. So he takes her to court uh, and the public is kind of getting in on this. They're like, yeah, Coogan, Jackie Coogan, we remember him from the Charlie Chaplin films. Uh, he should, he totally earns, uh, he deserved to have the money that he earned as a kid. And uh, Charlie Chaplin gave gave Jackie a thousand dollars to be like, hey, no questions asked, here you are, because, you know, they had been, you know, good friends and work colleagues. So finally, it wasn't until the late thirties that they get a settlement on him suing his mom and he was gonna get half of whatever was left over of the approximate three to $4 million. Turned out to be $25,000 was what was left over. Because his mother and uh, Arthur had been spending it on furs and diamonds and just various other luxury items. The home that she was living in was a home that was bought with his money. So they pretty much blew all of his money. And the court decided, you know, he was going to get about $126,000 of of what was left over, which isn't too bad, you know, in that Nowadays, it'd be like a couple million dollars. But after the court settlements, after all of you know the debt that he had got into, there really wasn't much left over. So he was kind of broke um, after all of this. So even though he had made all that money, worked all that time as a kid, he pretty much had nothing because his mom and his stepdad spent it all. So they didn't work for it. But they they felt that they deserved it. They earned it. So they spent all of it. Um, uh, At this time, it's the early 40s. And I guess while he was a teenager, he had gotten his pilot's pilot's license. So in March of 1941, he requested or no, he actually joined the army before that and then after Pearl Harbor in 1941 he requested to be transferred to the army air forces to be a glider pilot so that he because he had experience flying the planes and he actually graduated uh, into the advanced glider school and was the rank of flight officer after this he volunteered uh, to be a part of the hazardous duty with the first air commando group uh, and went and fought in multiple, uh, I guess they call it beaters, or I don't know what they call them in war, but in multiple war uh, combat. Uh, one of them was the Burma, Burma campaign. Uh, and in that uh, instance, there was a crash where everybody but him died. My God. Right, at the bottom of the pile of bodies, and that's what saved him. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> this is a sad podcast. Yeah, uh, for sure. So he served <laughs> uh, for five years, and then uh, was had an honorary discharge in 1944. After that, he again tried to get back into you know, theater, doing, again, the live shows, radio, that kind of stuff, kind of getting bit parts on TV. And then in the 1960s, he landed the role of <clears throat> Uncle Fester on the Adams Family TV show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that is him. Back to Coogan. Yep. Oh, holy shit. 
Yeah. And they actually originally didn't want him to play the role of Uncle Fester. They didn't think he was right. So he really worked hard. He was he made himself look as much uh, like the cartoon character, kind of telling the directors and everything, hey, I'm the right person, cast me. And they did. And of course, he did such an iconic job. We all remember him. Yeah. Yeah. After that, other you know tv roles and everything but you know he had had a bit of a a a rough life obviously he was drinking and so kind of had issues with that uh he was married four times his first wife his first wife was betty grable but wow betty grable yeah so he married uh her in 1937 they divorced in 1939 so he he gets married to uh, a few other other women after that and has uh, four children and in the 19 I want to say 1980s he's not doing too well health-wise he has heart issues and kidney issues uh, he's having to go through uh, dialysis which is Basically, your kidneys don't work, so you have to run all of your blood through this machine that's going to filter out all of the the toxins, you know, that get in your blood. Because your, your kidneys do a lot of work, and when they don't work yet, it kind of really makes your life pretty miserable. Uh, yeah. So he's going through kidney dialysis, and his blood pressure, uh, blood pressure dropped. Uh, he was taken to the Santa Monica hospital and then ended up passing away from a heart attack. Uh, he uh, died on March 1st of 1984. And when he had his funeral, he wanted it to be public so that whoever wanted could come to his funeral, which is, I think it's an, a testament to who he was while he was alive. He was a very caring, giving person. Uh, and even forgiving, he even ended up forgiving his mother and they went back on better terms after what she pretty much did to him. Uh, so this brings us around to Coogan's Law. And and on a side note, for those the, of our listeners that are here in Los Angeles and they would like to go pay their respects uh, to Jackie Coogan, uh, he is... Uh, buried at Holy Cross Cemetery, and that's located in Culver City. Uh, Culver City. So, if you would like to go, say thank you, because I know probably some of our folks <coughs> like me, and they enjoy grave uh, cemeteries and things. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, we go back to Coogan's Law, or that's kind of what people call it. It was actually uh, called. Hold on the California Child's Actor Bill, Actors Bill. So in this bill, it was passed in 1939, kind of around the time that Coogan was going through the whole civil litigation with his mom. Uh, California passed this law that parents uh, and the employers are required to put aside at least 15% of a child performer's earnings into this trust. Uh, 
So nowadays, if you're in California and let's say you want your little Billy to be the next big star, in order for him to be able to work, he has to get a, a labor permit. Can remember, did any of you have jobs before you were 18 and you had to have your parents sign that thing so that you could work? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, I my first job was at 16, so I guess, yeah. yeah. I remember having to have my parents sign something so that I could work uh, under the age of 18. It's a work permit. You have to get your work yeah. permit. I was so, spoiled. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to. I just wanted some money. Anyway, go ahead. Well, for those of us that worked before 18, you had to get a work permit. Well, here in California, if you're under the age of 18, you have to get a work permit. And if you want to work in movies and TV and film, the only way a child actor gets a work permit is their parents have to set up a trust uh, in California, in a California bank. Uh, and the, there are very specific rules around this trust that have kind of gotten updated over the years. So now uh, the, the trust is 15% of what the kid earns. So the employer puts that into the trust. The bank is not allowed to touch this trust. They can't pull out any sort of fees. They can't have any sort of taxes on this. They're pretty much making sure that every single cent that gets into that trust is going to make it to that child actor when they become age of majority. So now in California, it's 18 years. They've also updated it so that parents can't have access to this trust at all. So that the only person that legally owns this money is that child actor, but they can't uh, control the money as long as they're under the age of 18 in California. So that's part of the Coogan's law. 15 per, at least 15% gets put aside in this well-protected trust. And then at the age of 18, the child actor can go to the courts and be like, hey, I'm 18 years old. I would like to go ahead, dissolve the trust and take the money that is mine. So this is kind of ensuring that the child actor has at least some money uh, when they become of age because there's a habit of parents exploiting their kids and taking all the money. Another thing is, it kind of also regulates how long they can work, uh, required breaks that they need to be taking, and that they do need to be educated. And this is to protect the kids from abusive employers and parents, because it's a habit that we're going to be exploring in this podcast. Now, the thing is, you're thinking, oh, great, all child actors are protected. No, this is only for California. That's why it's the California uh a child's actor bill. There's only five states that require to have a trust account for child actors to be set up and a certain percent, percentage to be put in there. So it's California, New York, Illinois, Louisiana, and New Mexico. Everyone else, it's the Wild West. There are no protections for child actors. Wow. Also, this bill well, it will cover, you know, child actors, dancers, singers, uh, producers, writers, but it will not cover influencers. So when you see the, the child influencers like on YouTube and they're making all of this money, this bill does not protect them wow. from being exploited. 
because technically you don't need a work permit to set up your YouTube channel. So there's no way to make sure that a trust is being put up. So I'm sure as we go into the future that hopefully they're going to add that sort of media and content creation because these kids can be making a lot of money yeah endorsing all these different companies on their youtube channels uh and again it's only very limited it's not a whole bunch of states and there's still always a way that people have been trying to skirt around these issues so that they can still take advantage of these child stars Mm -hmm. uh uh Speaking about relevance and TV shows we've been watching, I know you don't watch what we do in the shadows. Oh, I wish you did. <laughs> they kind of address this situation in uh, one of the last few episodes uh, that they do. Wait, uh, are you talking to me? I, I will. Oh. Have you watched it? Oh, no, not that specific episode. Oh. I thought you were bringing that up because I said the one time to Josh, I didn't want to watch it during dinner because sometimes it grosses me out. <laughs> Tia, because Tia hasn't watched it. And I think she I, oh. I've seen the movie and I've watched the first episode and I loved it and I would love the show, but I get, I no. have the attention span of a hummingbird. Um. <laughs> they're short episodes, they're, they're super funny. Yeah. Definitely get into it, but anyway. I don't have FX, I should just get FX. Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. Because Hulu, FX Hulu. Okay. After Tuesday, because I have to finish this book. Yes. After Tuesday. And you have to watch it. Okay. I promise I will start watching it. Um, But for those of our listeners that have caught up the whole issue around Colin Robinson and his character and how they kind of make a joke about him saying all i want to do is sing and dance and basically adults are like no we we have to get this kind of percentage and this kind of money and it's kind of just representing you know hollywood that you have these young actors and actresses that uh are just really talented they're really good they're charming they're personable and how all of these vampire adults around them are just trying to exploit and use them kind of like how they did with shirley temple All right, so I am going to be talking about Shirley Temple. And I mean, if you are in the United States, from the United States, you've probably heard, and you're into entertainment, you've probably heard of the very, very famous Shirley Temple. Um, It brings, you know, thoughts to everyone's mind, whether you're thinking of the actual child actress in, you know, blonde ringlets, or maybe you're thinking of the drink. (laughs) (laughs) You could be, (laughs) which is a non-alcoholic for those who don't know. Yeah. Non-alcoholic drink of a Sprite, 7-Up, any kind of variation on that mixed with grenadine or cherry syrup. And it's very popular. I mean, I was drinking Shirley Temples and I ordered them as that when I was younger because that's what I, that's what I was told. It was called a Shirley Temple. Yeah. Um, Better than just soda. It was, I don't know. I I always (laughs) thought it was really cute. Uh Exactly. That was the, that was, and still is the mentality. Um, So, but there's much more of course behind that than 
just the girl in the blonde ringlets and the drink. Um, but let's delve into it a little bit, a little bit of background. Well, Shirley Temple's full name was Shirley Temple Black. That was um, the name that she would leave this earth with. Um, she was born on April 23rd, 1928, and she died on February, February 10th, 2014. She was 85 years old. Um, she was an American actress, singer, dancer, and diplomat. Yes, diplomat. She was Hollywood's number one box office draw as a child actor from, uh, and the period she was active was from 1934 to 1938. Back to her diplomacy, she was the U.S. ambassador to Ghana and Czechoslovakia oh, from, wow. yeah, from the late 70s through the early 90s. I had no idea, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Nor would most people, I think, you know. Um, and she was also named, <clears throat> excuse me, at one point, the chief of protocol of the United States. So yeah, Shirley, wow. um, yeah, for her interest in acting as a child into her early adolescence, after, after that, she developed a taste for, you know, politics apparently and humanitarianism. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> but her, so she was born in Santa Monica in 1928. Um, she, <laughs> why do I find this so hard to say, but no judgments, well, maybe some, but she has identified, she was identified in her life as a Republican. Um, it was much different at that time, but still, well, we won't say anymore. We'll get into a different topic, but yeah. <laughs> that is how she identified her political affiliation, Republican. Um, she was married to John Agar at age 17 Ooh. from, yeah, so she did marry young um, from 1945 to 1950, and then she divorced, and then she married Charles Alden Black, so hence her last name um, that she left with from 1950 to 2005 when uh, Charles died. So she actually survived him for many, many years. Um, and this is really cool. Um, something, you know, that may be um, news to some of our listeners out there, or even to you, to you on the podcast, but she had three kids, uh, Linda, Susan, and Charles Alden Black Jr. Uh, her child, Lori Black, was the bassist for the Melvins. Oh, so wow. yeah, <laughs> I thought that was such a crazy connection. I was like, are you serious? That's your mom is Shirley Temple, but yeah. <laughs> bassist for the Melvins and your mom is Shirley Temple. <laughs> I think I'm gonna look so, her up right now. What's that? I'm gonna look up Lori Black. Oh yeah, no, you should. 
Um, so the years that she was active as an actress were from 1932 to 1965. And then a couple years later in 1967 until 1992 is when she really became a public servant. Oh. So she really flipped it, you know, after that. But let's go back to what she's known most for being the child star, because um, I, I don't think there is another child star, especially at that point in time that was talked about or revered or publicized, glamorized as much as Shirley Temple. Yeah. Much like Jackie Coogan, she also began her career at three years old. Um, in 1933, she achieved international fame in the film Bright Eyes. In February 1935, she received a special juvenile Academy Award for outstanding contributions as a juvenile performer in movies during 1934. And it was said that they had to create a special category for her because they had never given out a juvenile academy award prior to shirley temple and you know the the films that she was in so that was a pretty big deal um yeah wow and <laughs> <laughs> the academy literally created a, a category so they could give you an academy yeah exactly yeah, wow. They did. <laughs> um, you know, we know her from a lot of things. She's known for being in a movie called Curly Top, which is the um, animal crackers in my soup. If you've ever heard that, that song, that's where that comes from. <laughs> um, Heidi. Yeah. Those that were one, two. That was one of my favorites growing up. Yeah. Heidi. Those were, cool. Yeah, those were two of her big hits. Yeah. Um, I always think of the first thing that comes to my mind is the good ship lollipop. Because oh, right. you know, yes. I always think of the song right away. On the good ship lollipop, it's a sweet trip to a candy yeah. shop. And I won't do the rest, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was enough of it. A couple bars. Um, so that's how I think of her. You know, but of course, none of us on this podcast were alive during that time. So <laughs> we can't yeah. really yeah. attest to how it was then, but we all have our memories of her in some way. Um, she was definitely branded right away um, with a lot of wholesome image merchandise. She had dolls, dishes, clothing. So she capital, capitalized on all of this. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's good in a sense. Um, I mean, that's what every, you know, entertainer artist does nowadays. It's all about the branding, you know. But I think it's kind of funny to think about it back then um, when it was happening and people didn't really know it was happening nowadays you know you look at like and i love her by the way no hate but jojo siwa oh yeah <laughs> from dance moms 
She's, yes. I've met her in real life. She was supposed to be on one of my tours. Oh my but, God, are you kidding? Yeah, so she's a, <gasps> but her and her family went on their own. They're like, we've got strollers. We'll, we'll be better off. Super sweet. Very yeah. tall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, she's tall? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Well, taller yeah. than me. I'm 5'2", so that's not really <laughs> cool. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I saw her through the whole dance moms thing. So yeah. anyway, just, I do love Jojo though. Um, I think that, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe Jojo could have been Shirley Temple back then. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have uh, a Jojo Siwa jacket yeah. in my closet right now. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> speaking of branding. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, you know, she, she was that whole wholesome package um and then but unfortunately the thing about having that kind of branding and that packaging is that when you age sometimes that's not gonna follow you you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you age and then it's like well okay you're older now well what's special about you anymore which is ridiculous of course as yeah. we know but at the same time it is hollywood which is also ridiculous so, yeah. um her box office popularity waned during her adolescence uh she did 29 films from the ages of three through ten but she only did 14 films from the ages of 14 through 21. yeah and then she retired altogether from film in 1950 and she was only 22 years old at that point yeah so retiring at 22 well i won't tell you what i was doing at 22 but it wasn't retiring yeah. <laughs> it's not retiring um from a long career yeah yes <laughs> one night out <laughs> i had you know barely graduated um college at that point so um <laughs> her mother gertrude temple encouraged shirley's artistic talents so of course we do have a stage mom here um but we'll see just how much of a stage mom she was um so shirley's artistic talents did include singing dancing and acting naturally um, <laughs> so she was enrolled in Meglin's dance school in Los Angeles in 1931. So her mother did obviously care about her training and what, you know, she was going to be doing. So that part is good. Um, she styled Shirley's hair in ringlets. So of course her sing signature ringlets that we all have come to know and love. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. She was spotted by casting director Charles Lamont at the dance school. So at the school she was attending, Meglin's Dance. And he invited her then to audition. And he got her involved in a venture that was kind of going to be known as, um, well, at least he said, as educational pictures. He signed her to a contract in 1932 to appear in 10 to 20 minute comedy shorts. And these are pretty controversial by today's standards. 
the first one was called if you can if you can wrap your mind around it i'm laughing even trying to read it the first one was called baby burlesques yeah <laughs> oh, i didn't know what to expect but not that. yeah Baby Burlesques was the first title. <laughs> the next was Glad Rags to Riches. So, I mean, that's a little more, it's a societal commentary, obviously, but the first one, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't even, oh my gosh, I mean, no, you can't even say that anymore. So I'm saying it now, but that's the title of the show. <laughs> that should have never been okay to say No, that. no, of course not. I thought it wasn't okay to say back then, but apparently not. Yeah. yeah, no, it was, and this is how it's spelled. Baby is spelled normally, but then burlesques is spelled B-U-R-L-E-S-K-S. So, uh, yeah, I don't even think that's right. <laughs> so, anyway, um, you know, hopefully it didn't do too much damage to Shirley mentally, psychologically, it could have, but this unfortunately would lead her into her film career so you know everyone says you got to get your start somewhere but you know <laughs> it's like those protection laws like we were talking about they just obviously weren't in place and also mm, adults should have been thinking better about things so yeah, yeah. not that any in the baby burlesques from what i saw and and read about not that anything was um displayed or you know nothing nothing like that but like still like you're calling your show baby burlesques so it's and you're trying to paint it in a certain light so anyway that's all i'll say <laughs> um december 7th 1933 she signed on to the film stand up and cheer and this is what was going to be her breakthrough performance because the studio exec executives were absolutely charmed by her. Um, her films were seen as generating hope and optimism. And this, this is a quote from uh, a biographer um, named Anne Edwards. And she said, this was mid depression and schemes proliferated for the for the care of the needy and the regeneration of the fallen okay, but the they needy. all sorry oh, sorry yeah care of the needy. Oh, yeah yes but they all required endless paperwork and demeaning hours-long cues at the end of which um an exhausted nettled social worker dealt with each person as a faceless number Shirley offered a natural solution and that was to open one's heart. That was Anne Edwards, who is a biographer, and she was talking about the tone and tenor of the Shirley Temple films as a whole, I guess, at that point. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. Then there is a quote from none other than President Franklin D. Roosevelt. And he said, it is a splendid thing that just for 15 cents, an American can go to a movie and look at the smiling face of a baby and forget his troubles. That was his commentary on Shirley Temple. So, 
<laughs> maybe kind of simplistic, but I mean, he did yeah. get to the point and um, a bit reductive of her talents, though. She was yeah. sitting there smiling like she was uh, doing some talented stuff. Definitely. She was doing work. <laughs> um, on December 28th, 1934, Bright Eyes was released. It was the first feature film that was crafted specifically for Shirley's talents and the first where her name appeared over the title. So this is where Bright Eyes is where um, On the Good Ship Lollipop came from. The signature song, it was introduced there and it sold 500,000 sheet music copies. So yeah, that's quite significant. Um, February, 1935. She was the first child star honored with, oh, I said that already, the mini juvenile Oscar. Um, but she also added her foot and handprints to the forecourt at Grauman's, what used to be Grauman's Chinese theater. Mm. So 1935 is when she did that. If you're curious to go look at that. Um, 20th Century Fox producer and studio head Daryl Afzanik declined a substantial offer from MGM for Shirley to play Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Yes, he declined that offer. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that reality, Shirley. Exactly. Dorothy. Yes. I mean, of course, we can't imagine it because Judy Garland is absolutely perfect but it could have been shirley temple and then we'd be saying how could anybody else but shirley temple be playing exactly (laughs) well weird (laughs) i know he had his reasons um but you know they were only reasons to him of course but he was convinced that she would successfully move from child star to teen actress okay that's a great bet that didn't happen. <laughs> Did not happen at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're the head of a studio and you thought that was going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I mean, our, uh, I won't even say, but <laughs> um, so instead he cast her in Susanna of the Mounties for 20th Century Fox. So she could have been Wizard of Oz, but instead She was Susanna of the Mounties. Well, I mean, I haven't even like really heard of that film until I did the research. So I feel like most people are probably the same. (laughs) Day old when I heard about that, so. Okay, yeah, you see? (laughs) But I thought that was just so amazing. Like I, I never knew myself, of course, that she had been considered for that role and probably not many people have. So I just think it's a really cool factoid of hers to know. Could have been Shirley. I mean, we do that with actors nowadays, of course, but you know, back then it's kind of even more striking, I guess. Um, So you can imagine that being Shirley Temple, uh, this big persona, this big child movie, persona. She had many myths and rumors that were swirling about. And I will share some of those with you right now. 
Um, the Fox press department, because remember she was signed with 20th Century Fox, they publicized her as a natural talent. And by natural talent, they meant no formal acting or dance training. Well, we know that that wasn't true because oh. her mother enrolled her in the dancing school. And I'm not really sure about the acting, but yeah, so that wasn't, that was a claim they were trying to make. I don't know if it was trying to keep in line with the whole, she's so, you know, perfect. She's innocent and, and she has no training, by the way, but look at the amazing <laughs> actress and dancer she is, you know? So that's weird, but we know, we know those of us who are in the know have read those kind of things know that that was kind of common practice in that day to just blatantly lie about things. Um, another myth or rumor was, I love this one, oh my God, was that Temple was not a child, but a 30-year-old dwarf or little person. And that was due to her stocky body type. And <laughs> wait, what did I say? Oh, it, oh my gosh. Just being raised as a Catholic, I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me? In Europe, the Vatican oh, sent wow. a priest to verify the rumor that she was actually a child and not a small person, as we like to call them nowadays, right? I'm sorry, a little person, not a small person, a little person. But this is what the church is concerned with. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that if Shirley Temple is actually a child or, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or is she a 30 year old little person? Yeah, these are matters we need to delve into. Um, another rumor or myth is that she didn't appear to lose her teeth. And the reason for that is an actual reason. She wore dental plates and caps to hide the gaps when she was acting yeah. yes that totally yeah. makes sense That's there's, something there's this famous sense. interview with drew barrymore on the tonight show and she takes her dentures out as a child oh uh, wow because yeah she had um veneers on oh know. wow you know i mean it's like yes we get it like it's an illusion and everything but yeah. she's, she's still a child <laughs> like i don't know is that damaging well only she could say I'm not sure. So. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, that seems weird to have to grow up with that. But it feels like it might be damaging. I'm just guessing, but you know, I don't know. Well, anyway, you're not allowed to be human. Like all of us yeah. have gone through it, but you're not allowed to show that you're going through it. <laughs> yeah, I can exactly. understand it's consistency in like a film. Like you don't yeah. want in one scene she has teeth and in another she doesn't. But, but what else? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, let's move on to yet another myth and rumor that was attributed to her that her curls were a wig. But that is absolutely not true. Um, it was a nightly process for her. It was tedious. It was grueling. Yeah. And she had weekly vinegar rinses. She said her eyes stung from the vinegar rinses. So, I mean... Do you want to term that as abuse? It's possible, you know. I guess it's here. Yeah. I guess it depends on, you know, I don't know. 
but yeah, it was it regardless of whether it was abuse or not. Um, it was definitely unpleasant for her to say the least. So yeah, she definitely fought for her curls. (laughs) Those were, those were hard one. Um, and the last myth and rumor about her is that her hair was not naturally blonde. It was, there were no dyes involved. She was a natural blonde. So, you know, uh, unlike me in (laughs) the period from about early 2000s through let's say 2006 or seven, I tried to be a blonde. It was not a very good look for me. (laughs) So, you know, Um, moving on to um, what you were talking about earlier, Tia, or you mentioned briefly, I don't know if we're recording or not, but um, Shirley Temple's TV career. So that was, um, it was called Storybook. Um, and it was on NBC from 1958 through 1961. And that was where she did fairy tale adaptations. Um, uh, so that makes way more sense. I thought this was like her talk show or something or like some variety hour that she had. Yeah. And I was like, why is she doing the little mermaid? It's still bizarre. It's still, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but sixties interpretations of anything are strange uh, everybody was on something oh yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true so um yeah that's i'll still have to get a look at those but i guess it was kind of let's see 1958 nine so it was a short-lived enterprise but yeah um still something that she did and notable um and then before i move on to her really adult career, kind of. Um, I should say that uh, she was known, still is known, for being um, one of the first actors uh, at the time to work um, on a set or on film and be so close, have a close relationship with a person of a different race ethnicity she was working with bill bojangles robinson in the little the little colonel and at that time it was completely unheard of for any child to be you know involved in that so i thought that that was you know something that's completely notable um and that was a beautiful relationship right i mean there there was everything was positive about that there wasn't anything negative so that's something worth noting, I think, definitely. Um, just as far as our progression as a, a nation. Um, so moving on to her diplomatic career in her later life, as I stated before, she is, was a member of the Republican Party. Um, in 1967, she ran unsuccessfully, unfortunately, I guess, for Congress. Um, but after that, she was appointed to the UN. And then she was appointed to General Assembly by President Richard Nixon in 1969. She was appointed as the US ambassador to Ghana in 1974 by President Gerald Ford. And 
she was chief of protocol of the United States in 1976. And then finally, she was also appointed as the US ambassador to Czechoslovakia, as it used to be known. So that's kind of, you know, a thing that not most people know <laughs> about Shirley Temple, unless you've done the research. So yeah, she wanted to really be involved. Um, but I guess for whatever reason, she, you know, that didn't happen for her, but, you know, all her ambassador roles, she definitely did a lot of work for the government despite all that. So I don't know, that's very interesting. Um, so the last part of her life, she unfortunately had breast cancer. Uh, in 1972, she was diagnosed at age 44. The tumor was removed and she had a radical mastectomy. Um, and the public disclosure of that was a milestone. Like I can speak to my own mother died of breast cancer when I was eight. Um, so it was kind of touching to hear that, you know, Shirley Temple was kind of one of the first big celebrities that would talk openly about it. And, um, you know, was saying, hey, you know, it's a disease, but hopefully we can get past this and this is what I did and hopefully this can be done for other people too. Um, so that wasn't actually what what she would succumb to, um, but she did die on February 10th, 2014 at home in Woodside, California of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So she was a lifelong smoker, which is, you know, <laughs> you don't think of Shirley Temple smoking a cigarette, right? But <laughs> well, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was a lifelong smoker, but not in public for preservation of the fans image. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that did take her down um, ultimately. But I mean, after having breast cancer, you know, in 1972, living to two. 2014. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. that's great that she overcame breast cancer. And I'm happy that she was a public face. Because like, I read a lot of things where women were saying, I'm so glad that, you know, she talked about it, because I had these questions, or I wanted to know, or I wanted to feel like I wasn't alone, you know, so I think that's great that she did that, personally. Um, she was buried at the Alta Mesa Memorial Park. And then, of course, I talked about the Shirley Temple drink. This is more lighthearted now, <laughs> getting into the drink. Um, well, according to all accounts, Shirley Temple herself hated it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, she did not like the attention or maybe even the concoction but she was not a fan of shirley temple or hearing about the drink being called shirley temple oh. um and in 1988 she hated it so much that she brought she brought a lawsuit to prevent a bottled soda oh. um vera Veriscon from using her name oh wow 
So, yeah, she was not a fan of the Shirley Temple. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I find completely ironic, of course, but, you know, hey. I can't get everything you want. Because when we used to talk about, because she supposedly was a, I don't know if she haunts the pig and whistle. Um, yeah. But she was like, we mentioned that she had, was a regular at the soda fountain there at the pig and whistle. Mm-hmm. And I used to always joke that Shirley Temple would have a Shirley Temple there. Um, yeah. Probably not. Probably did not happen. No, no <laughs> she wouldn't because she was so against it. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely hilarious. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the name association or who knows what it was. But regardless, she just didn't like it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is um, what I am ending uh, all my tales on Shirley Temple of. <laughs> on the drink that she didn't like (laughs) yeah so she was quite an interesting uh it's kind of ironic to say character but she was she was quite an interesting character in the end you know she moves from being this child star to um you know not being uh not translating into adolescent years and then having to kind of pivot and she you know decided to be a public servant so it's very interesting you know i mean who are we going to remember shirley as the public servant or the person that's saying the good ship lollipop probably the latter you know but i mean that doesn't that doesn't uh diminish any of the work she did as a public servant but it's just funny you know those who those who transition into something else after their childhood star years it's interesting to see what some people do of course so you know and also have a daughter that is the basis for the melvins which right i found out to be the coolest fact about her so. cool. that is pretty cool right so Lori black we salute you now <laughs> um yeah that's all (laughs) um well thank you for sharing all of that um we gotta wrap this up because actually i only have three more minutes of recording time so um but thank you uh thank you for your information thank you to our listeners um for listening and uh (laughs) please uh insert pat saying what you need to listen to to <laughs> listen to us or email us um yeah and uh creep it real stay spooky <laughs> spook it up y'all and yeah. spooky, spooky season is coming yay yes it, my it is here spooky season i know is here i agree I with that us. yeah I was at Ross today and they had, they had Halloween stuff out. So yeah. 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 Ooh, I like your nails. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, I'm trying to plan something for Halloween that might be epic. Um, no promises. Uh, but we'll see. Okay. Um, Your birthday. No, your birthday. birthday. I am planning on turning 35. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that are you only happen. that young? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I am planning on that. I don't know what I'll do for my birthday. Okay. I do know I'm going to see Bad Out of Hell at mm-hmm. Paris here in Las Vegas. Uh, the week oh, of my wow. sister's coming to visit. Okay. And um, hopefully she doesn't listen to this because it's supposed to be a surprise for her. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and on that, I'm going to stop recording. Okay.